Hello again. Welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me again on the Content Strategy Podcast. I have two, two double the fun guests today, um, and they are going to share with us all kinds of amazing information about working for the city of Austin. Laura Trujillo is a content strategist within the city of Austin's communication and technology management department. And she serves as the lead content strategist and project teams for departments across the city of Austin. We also have with us Ashley Harris. Ashley is a public information specialist senior with the city of Austin's communications and public information office. Internally, her role has also been as a content strategist. Welcome, Laura and Ashley. Hi. Thank you. It Thanks has been a long, us. circuitous journey to get us here, <laughs> yes. involving completely trashing our old podcasting recording platform <laughs> and moving to a new one. Yes. So your patience yeah. is much appreciated. <laughs> I would love to start out by hearing a little bit about how you both came to content strategy as your current practice. So Laura, let's start with you. Tell yeah. me all about it. Great. Uh, well, it started... Um, I guess with my interest in rhetoric and the power of words. And then I uh, found myself at a design firm in Washington, D.C., working closely with designers and developers and um, just kind of inserted myself into projects saying like, you know, I think, I think this or information could be organized a little bit better. And uh, they kept me in the office. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of the start of it. And it just kept building from there. Um, came back to Texas for grad school. Um, and then... What did you go to grad school for? A rhetoric and composition okay. at Texas State. Wow. All right. Pretty great. Yeah. And, that uh, is, that, and I'm uh, sorry. I, people that go to grad school for really interesting topics like that and complete their... It just I'm, I'm jealous and also like... I'm blown away that like I just grad school as an adult just seems crazy pants to me because it's adulting is so hard in the first place. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you. It was, it was a lot. Uh, my first day of school, we had a conversation about whether or not a bookshelf was actually in the room. And <laughs> I was like, based on how we were describing the bookshelf, like, <laughs> is it in the room? Does it actually exist? And I, there was a moment where I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> but I stuck it out and it's really great. And that really helped um, get me to this role with the city. Um, just again, with thinking about how words are organized, how information is organized, and then um, teaching people about that. So that's great. And then I I'm here. And then I met Ashley and all my dreams came true. <gasps> Ashley, let's hear about how you came to your dynamic duo <laughs> relationship with Laura, which we're going to hear about in just a minute. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really it started for me uh, with my passion in um, filmmaking and screenwriting. 
And so I just been writing since I was a kid and I uh, got my degree in journalism and broadcasting from Oklahoma State. And out of school, I started working for a publishing company and they published uh, veterinary medical journals. And so while working for that company, and so this is like years ago, um, they used Drupal. And so basically every month we had to, myself and another content strategist, we had to copy their content out of the, the print publication, which they basically put into InDesign, copy every single word, and then paste it into Drupal. Um, and that was a really interesting experience. But oh, that, diplomatic of you. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, that introduced me to Drupal. And, um, you know, then I applied for a job at the city because they were looking for someone to help with website administration. And uh, the city of Austin is, was and is using Drupal. And that's how I landed my job at the city. And I've been with the city for five years now, and um, have just really expanded my, my knowledge and my career and content strategy from there. It is... <laughs> You know, every time I ask people, so tell me how you came to content strategy, either they explicitly say, well, it was a long and winding path or, <laughs> you know, it's I have an interesting, diverse background. And it is just, I continue to hear about just these crazy paths to content strategy. And it's so exciting and and just makes for interesting conversations with, with uh, everybody I talk to in the community. So already yeah. you guys are really cool. Thanks for being on my podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us. All right. So you work in different departments at the city of Austin. Yes. yes. Okay. Tell me about your, your specific roles. Well, um, so me, my title is public information specialist senior. And so that particular title across the city varies on what it is you do. Some people are like, you know, solely focused on marketing efforts. Some people are focused on social media. And then there's a few people and myself, really, I'm one of like three in the city that really we are focused on content strategy and it's not really a lot of the public information work per se. Um, but yeah, so I, I work in the communication and public information office, which is, uh, like I said, more focused on uh, marketing efforts, community engagement, video production. So we do a, a wide variety of work. And then Laura can talk more about um, the communications and technology management department. Okay, wait, but I have a question for you. Yeah. When you say you do content strategy with those with those platforms and, and content types, what, what does that mean? So my role, it, honestly, my role has shifted quite a bit. It started off where I was doing the day-to-day maintenance of AustinTexas.gov, which is the city's website um, that is uh, on Drupal. And that was really like a lot of just like administrative work of updating the homepage, of unpublishing like old content, of helping uh, city staff like troubleshoot different like issues or bugs that they ran into. Um, so it was just like a, a lot of variety of that kind of work. And then just over the years, that role has shifted with just, you know, different staff changes and just my growth into being more strategy of trying to help city staff change the way that they write content so that it's it's more so meeting the needs of all the different types of residents that we're serving. And that's what led me to Lore because the city started down the venture of uh, working on this city's website redesign, we're really just completely changing our strategy altogether. And so that project came about with a collaboration between my department and Laura's department. So Laura, why don't you tell me what your department does? Sure. So communication and technology management is, isn't very glamorous, but it's kind of like the IT department for the city. So really supporting the city and all of their tech needs, security needs. And then with that, I think, um, 
some of the best practices that Ashley has been doing in her, her role, um, CTM is the acronym, uh, has been um, incorporating that. So our office within uh, communication and technology management um, focuses on more of the design thinking. And um, so there's content strategists. We have a lot of developers and user experience designers. And um, actually, I don't know if you called it an adventure, but, on, <laughs> but that's so true <laughs> of, of starting this adventure of like redesigning the um, website for the city. We went and spoke to um, content authors in the city and then also residents to see how we could better help them manage their content. And so we asked um, public information office, like, is there anyone that you think should work on this project? And they said, well, Ashley, of course. So Ashley, with her of institutional course, of knowledge, course. of course, <laughs> stupid not to. Uh, so <laughs> Ashley really brought um, really great perspective and institutional knowledge of how the city works and helped guide us through some sticky situations. Um, and then we were able to build up, build up the information architecture uh, based on doing research. And I'm sure I jumped way ahead, but um, that's in a nutshell what we've started doing. So I actually wanna to talk to you a little bit about the research because I will say that the number one challenge that the content strategy teams that I work with come up against is that they just don't know a whole lot about their users for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the specific methods that you used, because you said that you spoke both with users, website users about their information needs, and then you also talked to the content authors within the city about what their needs were. Let's talk about how you connected with the users first. Okay, I'll, I'll take the, the content author approach and you can talk about the resident. Perfect. Okay, so um, as far as content authors, so uh, like Laura was saying, I, you know, I've been at the city for five years, so I've had to deal with all the, essentially all the people across all the different departments that are responsible for managing content um, for their particular department websites. And about and so, how, how many people is that, would you say? Ooh, okay, well, at least every department has one person that's the main point of contact. So there's about 50 departments and offices in total at the city. Um, so I always have at least one person that I know that I talk to that they know my name. Um, but then different departments have a variety of different kind of approaches and workflows. And so some departments may only have that one person. And that may be like 15% of their job is content management. But then some departments have like 30 people that can uh, create content and edit content on their sites. So like Parks and Recreation, for instance, because they have so many recreation or recreation centers and parks, of course, and pools, they have just more people because they have so much more content. Um, so it just really ranges, but I would say anywhere from 50 to 300 people I've had to communicate with in one uh, moment or another. But because I knew that those people existed, the approach we decided to take was to try to go out and actually do uh, desk interviews with different city staff to really understand, you know, what are, are the, the pain points uh, that they're currently experiencing with using the content management system? What are some of the uh, issues that they're seeing with trying to keep content up to date and, and um, you know, with their approaches to writing content? And so we picked uh, really kind of three different departments to focus on. So one that was really small that, like I said, only had one person creating content and he was only updating that content like every three months. So he'd actually have to call me every three months to get a reminder of how to use the content management system. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So then we had someone in the, a group in the middle where they had a few people, maybe like five people editing content and they would do it, you know, maybe once a week. And then we had a department, um, this was Parks and Records. So it's a large department with huge amount of content authors and they're updating content every day. And so we wanted to kind of see that different range of departments across the city. And we, we sat down and talked with them you know, to really get uh, kind of their feedback and understand like what are their needs. And what we were finding across all of those different departments was one that people didn't feel like they had the training that they needed to be successful, um, but they also didn't have like the authority because some people knew that, you know, writing at a um, 11th grade level just doesn't make sense for residents. But when they would try to push back against maybe some, you know, management or executives, they were just getting, you know, pushback and they didn't have any kind of documentation to say, hey, this is what the city is doing and this is why I'm doing it this way um, and you know they wouldn't always be able to win that battle and um, you know so we found that out and then we also found out that just the using the content management system as it is is just not very intuitive and people like I said forget and so that was kind of the core start of a lot of the research we did around uh, working with city staff and then eventually we did some paper prototypes with them after we came up with a new design for the content management system and had them go through that and so it's just a lot of, of that kind of work um, and I you know I don't want to ramble too long, but that's kind of the, the gist of the, the start of the research with city staff in particular. Well, and let me ask you this. Did you actually set up like in-person interviews with people? Were you doing email surveys? How were you collecting their input? Yeah, it was in-person interviews. We would go to their desk at their office and sit down with them. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If yeah. only organizations all felt like it was a priority and gave people the time to do it, but that's a whole other rant that I can go on <laughs> yeah. another time. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I thought was so beneficial about that is you can really tell, it's almost like a therapy session for people. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, someone actually cares about my job and why it's difficult. And it's like here to hear my opinion about it. And people just appreciated that so much and just we gave us so many insights that I don't think an, an email survey could have ever captured. And you know, what's so interesting to me about that. I mean, that's, we joke all the time that we're, you know, secretly content therapists and that's really what should be on our business cards. Yeah. But what's so interesting to me about that is that that process, and we talk about this a lot with the interview process, is that it is really a, a dual benefit. I mean, first, yes, you are collecting information that's going to inform the decisions that you make, you know, on your project and on larger strategic initiatives, but you're also building that trust and really almost helping that person feel better about, about their roles and about their, their jobs and their contributions. I mean, it's really something else. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it, was, it was nice to validate um, for them, like some of their blockers and their pain points to say, you know, you're not alone with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Laura, you led the efforts then to gather input from residents and from users of the website. Yes. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, I thought that was so cool. Also. Um, so we have like being city employees have the unique experience of, uh, doing market research is just anyone in the city, really, or right, everyone exactly. in the city, really. So um, we'd sit down with people at a coffee shop and ask them, um, you know, hey, if you're trying to use, let's say, if you're trying to find out when your trash and recycling and compost pickup day is, how would you go about that? And have them talk us through it, um, whether they're, most people were on their um, mobile devices, smartphones, few people on tablets and just have them think out loud like going through the process and um, 
we got a lot of great insights, again, that we could take back to the executive team um, where people were saying, I just want to know how to access a service. I don't, you know, I don't care necessarily about the mission, which is kind of hard to hear sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, and it gave us it gave us a lot of really great data, and then um, we have a lot of um, community coalitions. So reaching out to them, a lot of like the immigrant populations, uh, reaching out to them to make sure that their needs were being met as well, um, because you know not everyone's at a coffee shop in the middle of the day. So making sure that we got insight from everyone using the the website. And can I, did you just like walk up to people in a coffee shop and say, hey, can we chat with you for a few minutes? Yeah. We said, hey, we're with the city. Um, you know, we're doing some research about our website. Do you have a few minutes? And most people are really happy to, to chat with us. So um, oh, people love to be asked their opinions. It's true. Yeah, it was. Um, it, some, some of them did turn into like little therapy sessions where they're just like, I just want to know how to do this or why is it like this? And we didn't is always it, have answers, but we took, we took that insight and um, took it back and presented it. It is, it is and, crazy uh, to me how emotional content choices are. And how people oh, just yeah. like, you know, and I mean, it is, it is a usability and an IA issue, of course, but mm -hmm. you know, when the, when the IA is sort of, or the page design is sort of, okay, here's where you need to have three intro paragraphs and then here's where you can list your open times. I mean, that doesn't give a whole lot of flexibility, you know, or, or input to the person who's trying to prioritize what information they're putting on the page. Right. So it's so helpful mm -hmm. to hear people say, no, 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 this is my priority. And then we can, we can really sort of alter or design that content substance based right. on that. So that's yeah. great. And, you know, we recognize that when the website was redesigned in 2011, Ashley, is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it was, it was great. Most users were on desktop, but that's when mobile was really starting to pick up. And unfortunately, it's not as responsive. So we're kind of leading the charge with mobile first. And um, I think our users, the residents are really, um, I think it'll be really great for them. So let me ask you this. As you said, as you mentioned, that sometimes some, of, some user input can be difficult to hear. Tell me about some of the methods that you used to kind of keep people informed about the information that you were gathering and how, you know, you kind of built buy-in from those stakeholders throughout the process. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, I am a big proponent of writing medium posts, medium articles, and um, the joke in the office is um, if someone has a good idea, I, I can be halfway across the office and I'll just yell out, well, write a medium post about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like documenting like where we are along the way and our learnings and what, you know, our failings also, but keeping people, whether it's stakeholders, um, other municipalities who are going through this, keeping them um, aware of what's going on, what we're learning and how it can help people and also um, why we made some of the decisions we did. Ashley, do you contribute to uh, medium, medium as well? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and so I think one of the ways that we, we really work on building buy-in with stakeholders is just really trying to increase their empathy towards users. Because one of the things that, you know, it's just that when you're in the day-to-day -day grind and you're just in the office, people get so disconnected from the everyday residents that they're, you know, writing policies for or building programs for. And it's easy to forget that these are, you know, like individual people that, that you're trying to serve. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our techniques, even just in our presentations we put together, we use a ton of photos, we use a ton of quotes for them to see that we, we not, we're not just saying we did the work, but we're showing you the work that we did. These are the people that we actually talked to. These are the things that they actually said. And putting that the, those faces to those stories are just such an impact. And so when we were doing presentations, like Laura and I, we can just look out over the crowd and people's faces are like, oh, aha, like I get it. Like these are like, you know, people, like real people. And so it's really just building in that empathy. But then also, uh, you know, one of the, I think probably my favorite medium posts is uh, an uh, post I did about the city's inbox. So it's the <laughs> inbox where residents can basically go to our contact us page and email us about literally anything. Um, and so I was responsible for overseeing that inbox every day for the past four years. So I've seen all types of emails in, <laughs> in there and I won't go into all of them. But you know, some of them are literally just like, this website sucks. You got it. <laughs> and why is this the city, why am I paying you tax dollars to keep, maintain the sucky website? I mean, those are things people have said. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to read, but like for me, I'm more, it's more so saddening because it's like, I want people to be able to write us and be like, this is such an awesome website. And thank you for making, you know, city services so easy to, to get. And thank you for, you know, sharing with me that there's a service that exists that I didn't even know about. Um, and so I, I, you know, I wrote a Medium post basically talking about and sharing some of those, you know, really insightful emails that um, I received. And probably the most insightful, I would say, that's really, um, you know, been it informed a lot of the work that we've been doing around uh, our navigation is this woman had said that she just moved to Austin, literally just moved. And she was just trying to find information about trash and recycling. And she was like, I've been on this website forever and I just can't figure out how to find that. And we really, when we were out talking to residents at like coffee shops and libraries, we found out that people, you know, they don't know what our org chart is. They don't know that Resource recovery is the name of the department that manages trash and recycling. They just want to type in trash and recycling and find that. And so our current site is just structured like our org chart. So people internally may know where to find things, but the public has no idea. And so we've just been communicating that message out to city staff. And they're just like, oh, that makes so much sense. Okay, we do need to take a different approach to this. And, you know, really, just, like I said, just building in that empathy with people has, has been huge. So the... I'm really interested, you keep talking about how you're communicating this out, the presentations that you're giving. Where are you able to stand in front of a crowd and talk about user needs? Like how, where is that? Who comes to it? What kind of a meeting is it? How do you call it? Fun shops. Fun shops. Sorry, fun <laughs> shops? Yes. Like F-U-N fun shops? Mm -hmm. Yes, because writing for our users should be fun. So it's... <laughs> It is fun, I think. Um, so <laughs> Ashley, Ashley and I created um, this presentation. It's a workshop, but it's fun. Uh, it's an interactive workshop where we take people through, uh, and by, when I say people, I mean we take um, city employees through the style guide we created and give them practical ways to implement like the style guide rules. 
and we back it up with research. There are games, and um, it we invite really anyone that wants to come. Um, we're trying to get executive team members in, so that would be really exciting. But people responsible for content, um, people who are curious about like user research, they're invited. And um, what I, I love many things about it. I love teaching with Ashley, um, but I love that it breaks down the silos because you'll have people from, you can have people from seven different departments there and they'll start out, you know, in their little clicks, but then they start interacting and hearing the common problems and common concerns and um, figuring out how to um, work with those problems and how to address those, the content needs for their, their users. And they really start thinking about who their users are. So it, it's so exciting and we, have, we get great feedback on it. My mouth is hanging open. This is amazing. I, Ashley, do you take the lead on kind of gathering the, the email information of the people that you want to have there? Like, how do you recruit people to come? No, we, we kind of, we definitely uh, do that together, but it just depends on particularly like what, what we're working on in the, in the moment. So for instance, I think the, the last one that we did together, the last uh, fun shop was with the health department. And mm -hmm. so the reason that we wanted to do one focus on, on that group is because we were working on um, mobile food vendor content and trying to look at building out a process content type so that people can understand all the different steps that you have to go through to get a, a permit to become a mobile food vendor or to have like a temporary food event. And so we decided that, okay, well, we're working on this, this content. So it'd be great to work with the people that, you know, are, are involved in creating this content. And so we had a um, event at a public health um, space that they manage. And then we just, uh, you know, email those people out and we always have a point of contact. And so we had one point of contact and she recommended the people, other people that should come from her department. And so it's typically just a lot of collaboration with uh, myself and Laura and then the, you know, main point of contact that we have for that department to actually kind of get people um, to this place. But the fun shops, honestly, and not to our, toot our own horn, but they've kind of gone viral across the organization and like people <laughs> are actually excited to come and check them out because they are actually fun. That's the whole idea. I don't know, Laura, if you want to tell Christina about the uh, bobbing for content game that we played. <laughs> yeah. So we have this game called bobbing for content and it involves a bucket of water and apples. And we will, each apple represents a piece of content um, and we'll kind of differentiate, like this is a 30 page PDF that is out of date. Um, here is a timetable of services, you know, varying, varying services. And it's up to the um, content author to put the apples in the water or put the content into the bucket really. Um, and then as soon as the water overflows, well, you're out of space. So really trying to get people to think critically about what they're putting on the website, because as it stands now, there are 11,000 pages on the website and 10,000 documents, such as PDFs. So our bucket overfloweth, and <laughs> we really, really like to encourage more critical thinking about what's going on the website. And why is it going up there and who, who is the user? Again, bringing it back to who needs this.
And I want to clarify, no one's using their teeth to do this. Right. Um, they are, yeah, I admittedly that I'm a little disappointed about that. <laughs> admittedly. But I'm still, my mouth is still hanging open. This is incredible. Yeah. And what's incredible about that is that, you know, I, I've always said the, what's great about the web is that it's endless publishing space. And what's horrible about the web is that it's endless publishing space. Mm -hmm. And that's how people yes. do get into that mindset of, well, we have this content, let's put it online or on the website just in case versus yeah. kind of that critical decision-making. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. What other, what other games do you guys introduce? So we do this, um, this scenario game. So we basically literally, and this is where my, kind of like my filmmaking background comes in. So I made up the story where, um, you know, the people are, we're putting them in a scenario. So we're saying that Austin has, um, has an outbreak of this new virus, they call it virus X. And, um, you know, people need to get the vaccine information. And if they don't get it, like in, in the day, this very day, that the next vaccine won't be available um, for eight weeks. And so we give people scenarios, so they say, you know, you are this person. So put yourself in the user's shoes again. So we say, you know, you only have, uh, you, you know, you have an hourly job that you have to go to work. You can't afford to take off and come to this, you know, a city office during city hours. You know, you, you have an hourly job that, you know, and, you, and then you ride the bus, for instance, and you have a two-year-old and a one-year-old and one of them is getting sick and you want to figure out, okay, how do I get my child to get a vaccine? And you go on the city's website and the, the vaccination information is in a PDF because there's a ton of PDFs on our website and they're you know often like crazy long, um, not well organized all the time. And sometimes it's not very easy to find information. And so we have them, we give them an actual physical PDF packet that we made up, but it does also have some real content in it. And it's like, I don't know, 20 pages long. And we give them one minute, we literally time them. And we say, okay, you have one minute to find this information about where to get a vaccination. And so we put them in groups and everyone, you know, we say go. And everyone just starts, you know, slipping through the pages, reading the content, trying to figure out, okay, where is this vaccination information? Most of the time people find it, but it's like usually at the end. And like, you know, while we're doing the timer, Laura's saying, okay, the bus is about to arrive. You know, you're going to have to get on the bus. You don't have to have time to, you know, scroll around on the city's website. And so it really just, again, goes back to the empathy of making people like think about the people that, that we're serving and all of the different, you know, obstacles that we're potentially putting in their way by having these giant PDFs or these long pages that they have to read through to find our mm -hmm. services. And so that's probably one of the other really impactful games that we do. Yeah. Like and it was, it was really great. One time we, uh, we played this and we're our office is located in the old central library. So there are bus lines in front of, in front of our building mm -hmm. and this bus pulled up as we were playing and it took off when it hit the minute and I was like well thank you that made it <laughs> bring it home yeah. let me ask who like who gave you permission to do this like who because this is another thing is that oftentimes content strategists have these grand ideas or you know hopes and wishes and dreams about how they can affect the culture of their organization and really get people on board but they're not they can't find executive sponsorship or their or their managers sort of fail to help them prioritize and allocate their time to really get after this stuff like how how did you guys pull this off well, I would say the, the research gave us permission mm -hmm. um, because it was, that was like one of the key findings from city staff is that they were like, we need training. If you are saying, okay, we need to improve the way we're writing for residents, great, we're on board, but we need the training for it. And so that was kind of how we were able to get okay 
for a, a workshop. Um, and then we did a pilot basically. So we came up with the curriculum, we came up with the presentation decks, we practiced a million times. Um, you know, Laura has like the best jokes. And so she would always have like these just awesome jokes. She drops at every presentation. I'm just, I'm just like her wing woman, but um, <laughs> we, we, you know, did a pilot where we just had like five people from, you know, a couple different departments and we did the presentation and it was a huge success. Everyone loved it. And so from that, it was, really easy to just be like, hey, you know, we, we've proven that this is successful. The research shows that this is what was needed. So we're going to do it. And I mean, that was really it. That's yeah. fantastic. I mean, that, that speaks, though, to kind of the, the openness and the, the um, ability for leadership to sort of say, oh, this is not what we thought, you mm -hmm. know, because I think that right. one of the things that, that um, Erica Hall talks about I was just talking about her in my last podcast, but one of the things that she talks about is that oftentimes leadership doesn't want to listen to research because they're worried that it is going to challenge assumptions and, mm -hmm. and make them look bad, right? So mm -hmm. how, how amazing that the people in charge of, you know, your time and resources or whatever were, were like, yep, okay, great, let's make this thing happen. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think we are challenging a lot of assumptions, but we're we're not trying to make anyone feel bad. It's, you know, we're all learning. And like I said, like at the time, these practices and the, the tools that the city was using were right on par with, you know, the rest of the country and the rest of like technologies uses and everything. Um, but it's just making sure that we continue to grow and adapt with um, what the user needs. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the benefits of working, you know, for a government agency that, you know, that challenge of people or leadership not wanting to necessarily do research or accept research isn't necessarily an option because it's like, you know, we can't just say, oh, well, residents said this and we don't care. It's like, that, that's not a choice. It's like, if we find through research that this is an issue, then we have a responsibility as civil servants to fix it. And I think that that's one of the, the benefits of working in government is, is that you you have an obligation, a moral obligation to, to do these things in research and it really aids in that. You know, and I would say that that is a principle that's shared across sort of the wider user experience and content strategy community is that mm -hmm. we have a moral obligation to meet those needs, those explicitly stated needs of our users. Mm -hmm. If only organizations everywhere shared that principle. Yeah. Yes. So, but because of that driving principle, why don't you talk to me a little bit about changes that you have seen on the website and how people are responding to it? Um, Ashley, go for it. <laughs> I was like, the current website or the alpha redesign? Yeah. Um, the current website, I mean, I think there aren't a ton of changes because just the, at this point, it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of almost too far gone. There's <laughs> there's, only, there's only so much we can do. I think it's more so the uh, changes in the culture that we're seeing that is the biggest impact. I'll say more than the actual physical current um, site, um, but of just people, one, seeing the importance of research, seeing the importance of, of user-centered design, of understanding what those things are, and being willing to change because that's, you know, I think probably also one of the things that's probably the negative part of government is that and really any organization, but government in particular is that change is hard to sometimes make happen. Um, and so the fact that I'm feeling, I'm seeing people just being willing to accept these changes and, and wanting them to happen and helping us 
you know, promote those, the changes across the organization has been what I've seen as the biggest shift. I don't know about you, Laura. What's exciting to me, um, in addition to everything that Ashley said, was that we, that will to learn and that drive to learn and continually improve their skills um, is very apparent. Um, I have people reaching out saying, you know, I only write internal facing content, but I want to make sure that my users are getting the most out of it. And I just, that's really exciting to me. Um, and I think, you know, a new way of doing something um, or like learning new skills, no matter how long you've been in an organization is always refreshing. So, um, well, and it sounds ultimately like you are shifting the culture in a way that is, that is prepping them for when, the website does get redone or as changes are being, you know, rolled out incrementally, however, however it is that you guys are doing the work, that the content, the new content will be ready and better cared for over time. Yes. Yes. And it's better to get that done before changes so that <laughs> a lot of time we're like, da-da, brand new shiny website and in three months, oh, it's crap again. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah we're, we're starting to teach them about iteration and implementing little things and testing them out, going back to the drawing board if necessary. Um, I hosted a, or I facilitated a workshop with the library. Um, our library here in Austin is incredible. Um, if you ever come visit, I recommend that being one of your first stops. But the staff is also really engaged and excited about, um, you know, how can we Again, how can we make things better for the users and the in-person experience too, which is um, an interesting way to apply um, user-centered design. So, um, so as a content strategist, I'm able to kind of see how we can make information easier to access in person too. So that's, that's another way of our work being shared. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Ashley, how's the website redesign coming? Um, it is coming well. I've actually um, since transitioned off of the project. So Laura is holding down the fort um, in the content realm for, for that. But the last thing that I was working on, I was probably the most excited about. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was again around the mobile food vendors and around starting a food truck business. And that was really interesting to me because I'm, you know, I have dreams and aspirations of opening a food truck in the future. So I was really interested in understanding the process for someone to actually be able to start a food business. And it takes a lot of going through several different PDFs and filling out a PDF form. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, difficult if you don't have time necessarily to go through all that information and let's say you want to help you'd have to be able to you know go to the city office during regular city office hours take off work potentially and that's just not necessarily you know accessible to everyone especially let's say you know you that that's just not something you can do now but your dream is to own this you know food truck and be an entrepreneur um, we're not making it easy for people to find information and so it's just really interesting uh, for us as a team you know we worked with our visual designer and our, our UI designer uh, to really figure out, okay, how can we display this information so that it's steps and guided uh, path for people to understand how to actually start a food truck? And then, you know, how can we write this content so it's not so much legalese or, you know, jargon and, and words that people might not even necessarily understand or know? Um, because there's this whole thing between like restricted versus unrestricted permits and things that are just like confusing. So that was a really exciting, uh, a really exciting work that I got to work on before I transitioned off the project. 
Well, and can I just say, as a, as a frequent visitor to Austin, that's a priority for me that people know how to start their food trucks. So I'm <laughs> grateful that that was identified as a key opportunity yes. on the website to yeah. improve. So yeah. that is really cool. Well, great. Yeah. Um, let me ask one, one last question. As you know, content strategy is, as, a, as a practice still sort of on the rise and uh, there are companies everywhere hiring content strategists and there aren't really very many formal programs training for content strategy and people are coming at it from all different, all different backgrounds. If you had to give any advice to someone in, the, in an adjacent field who's like, oh, I really am thinking content strategy is my thing and I want to get over there, like what, what advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I That's would say, my job. <laughs> excellent at it. Um, I would suggest um, kind of get comfortable with ambiguity. And I say that because I'm very uncomfortable with it. Um, but leaning into a lot of the research, um, taking part of the research and listening to what people need, um, what information they're looking for, and how they're going about it, and then using your own, um, you know, relying on best practices, but um, using your own strategy, get creative with, with how, um, you know, how you can make the, what is it, bring the known from the unknown. I don't, does that make sense? <laughs> it does. I'm going to yeah, get that no. tattoo. <laughs> bring the known from the unknown. No, no. oh no no that's I totally get it that idea of being comfortable with ambiguity I think especially because a lot of content strategists come to the table wanting clearer definition of you know I mean at a very base level you have this box with the lorem ipsum let's talk about what the definition is like what is it that you need there what is the purpose who is Mm -hmm. the user what are the priorities Mm -hmm. um so I think that I think that that is actually really good advice for somebody interested in in the work um because they there is such a process and a and a collaboration with other practitioners of, you know, we're all trying to get to this end point and maybe the way there is not a direct path from point A to point B. So I think that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, like if, if it's someone that's in a career and they're wanting to move in into content strategy, my advice, because I don't take this just from my own personal experience is make friends with a UX designer and a content strategist. Um, and if you can work on like a outside project on something that's interesting to you, because that experience is going to make you a better content strategist, because that's what happened. That's what uh, happened to me because I, you know, maybe a year and a half ago before I knew Laura, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've grown exponentially as a content strategist. And so, you know, we started working and it was really her, her and, um, and a UX designer and, the knowledge that I gained from working with those two is just, um, it's just amazing. And I just, like I said, I just grew so much. And so if, if you can get that pairing, that's like a really good start to just help you really understand the, the work that um, it takes to be a content strategist. Well, and I think too, what's great about that advice is that a lot of times we tend to get stuck in our own swim lanes and think, oh, you know, people are so busy and they don't, you know, they don't have time for me and I don't want to bug them. But really, I think 
especially in the in the content strategy field, people are so welcoming and so excited to share their experience and their best practices. And you're just going to make a new friend. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to yeah. come up with a workshop that's fun. <laughs> a fun shop. Yeah. Yes. Which is how Brain Traffic will now be rebranding all of our workshops. <laughs> content strategy fun shops. Sure, Laura we'll and Ashley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laura and Ashley, you are both just delightful and smart and resourceful and innovative. And I'm so impressed by the work that you're doing and the changes that you're bringing to the city of Austin's communications online. And I just am really appreciative of your taking the time to chat with me today and to share your uh, experiences and knowledge with our audience. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at, of course, braintraffic.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.